1: time to welcome you once more to blog talk radio and to the catch the catch of the day on blog talk radio where we like to invite guests who are uh for the most part believers um we're not opposed to having someone who isn't a believer at all um but uh usually we do and um but they're people who are living and working in the in the world they're not necessarily pastors and people working in church and that kind of thing they're They're people who have secular jobs out in the marketplace because that's that's what we um are all about here is learning to Be Christians in the Marketplace. And uh, here at Blog Talk Radio, we call it uh, bringing bringing life, uh, bringing faith to life. In other words, connecting our faith to the life that we live um, in the real world. And uh, so all of our guests um, uh, are helping us do that. Just by simply talking about what they do and talking about their life and their careers, and uh, mostly that's what that's what, we're, we're, uh, that's what we we love to share about. And and uh, so hopefully you are being helped as to how to do this with your own life uh, out in the world, wherever you take up your residence. So, um, uh, today, uh, tonight, we have, um, uh, I guess, I, I think we've had him one time before, but it was a long time ago, so uh, you might not remember, but um, he is a, a very faithful, encouraging member of the catch himself, um, and he is, uh, he, he is a voiceover he has actually done some reading for us. He read the uh, the Dark Horse book for us, which is just beautiful. And uh, we are we are getting to where we're actually making this stuff available to you. This has been a long road for us, but we will be having books and and uh, um, uh, music more more and more available as we. Uh, beef up our website and uh and we're creating an app we've got a lot of great plans coming right now so um but this this brother is in a very unique position where um he 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 is a voiceover artist that's what he does he's a professional at this and um he does all kinds of things he does commercials He does trailers for movies. You undoubtedly have heard him somewhere. I mean, if you heard an American Express ad, you probably heard his voice. Um, You have heard his voice somewhere. If you're a radio person, if you listen to the radio, who knows? Maybe you heard him on a trailer. Uh, More and more, however, we'll find out as we talk to him, he's getting involved in audiobooks, which... um, which uh, we are real interested in here at The Catch because uh, we are trying to turn a lot of our books into audiobooks as well. So um, we're going to talk with our guest. So I would like to welcome (laughs) – he he calls himself the uh, second nicest guy in voiceover. So please (laughs) welcome – Welcome, the second nicest guy in voiceover, uh, our own Bob Sauer. Bob, welcome back to uh, Block Talk Radio and The Catch.
0: Thank you, John. It's a delight to be here.
1: <laughs> uh, this, I this suppose you're – Yeah, go ahead.
0: I was going to say, you you might be wondering why the second nicest guy in voiceover. Of
1: course. Uh, if that was the so, next question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, – Quite a few years ago when I had had my website redesigned, uh, a good friend of mine who's a really excellent marketing mind said, Bob, I really like your new website, but I think you need to find a way to make it more personal, help people understand who you are. And we happened to be at a voiceover conference or uh, event, and we were standing at the front of the room before the event kicked off and he gestured around to the room there was uh between 50 and 60 people in the room and he said uh all of us voiceover voice actors voiceover professionals and he said what do all the people in this room think of you and i said i have no earthly idea and he said well i'll tell you they all think you're the nicest guy in voiceover huh. and he said if you can find some way to convey that people understand who you are and why they might want to work with you huh. Well, I thought to myself, I can't say I'm the nicest guy in voiceover. What an outrageous claim to make. (laughs) So over the course of that day, as there was, you know, various uh, seminars and other things going on in the back of my mind, I sort of prayerfully percolated on how can I do this or how can I say that? And it just so happened sitting at dinner that night, I suddenly flashed on those old Avis automobile rent, rental car commercials.
1: Oh, yeah. And if you're
0: old enough, you'll remember that Hertz was the dominant rental car company and Avis was the second company. Mm-hmm. And so their advertising said, we're number two. We try harder. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? I could say I'm the second nicest guy in voiceover. And I would be comfortable doing that because I'm not claiming to be number one. I'm just number two and what has been really interesting is that over the years uh because that's been what 12 13 years ago now since that event took place um it's led to a lot of conversations with people about why do I say it that way and what does it mean and mm-hmm. and a lot of people have said well i don't think you should be the second nicest guy you're you're the first nicest guy i've ever worked with or whatever and, uh, you know, those were all very nicely received. But again, I just, I don't feel comfortable claiming to be number one. So uh,
1: I, yeah. I'll take
0: number two. The other thing is, and and you know this, John, from being a Christian in the public eye uh, for quite a number of years now, you know, doing concerts and and writing books and all of that sort of thing. There's a certain amount of pressure that's on you all of the time to live up to a standard of expectation that people have of you. Mm. And and so I realized that I'm not going to be the nicest guy in the room every single time. So this gives me an out when I don't behave so nice to be able to say, you see, this is why I'm only the second nicest guy <laughs> in voiceover. So uh, for both that's of those great. reasons, uh, that's, that's the point.
1: That's great. Well, and maybe maybe <laughs> we should maybe we should all pick up on that and whatever it is that, that we think we're really good at, you know? Yeah. We'll be the yeah. second. I like that. I really like that. Um well ha, Bob, how did you get into this? I, I can't I can't imagine that when you were in high school you said to yourself, I think I'll become a professional voiceover artist. Uh no
0: i, just, I wanted wow. i actually wanted to be a singer i studied private voice lessons i i love singing uh and um and i studied to be an opera singer honestly and uh, when i got to after 10 and a half years at the end of my college education my senior year of college my regular vocal coach was on sabbatical that year and so i had a different coach and she had a friend who worked at the Metropolitan Opera somebody who had come from Europe and was working at the Metropolitan as a vocal coach and um and he was coming to Chicago I went to college in the Chicago area and he was coming to Chicago to do a master class and he wrote her a letter to say because this is back in the 70s no email no uh, whatever anyway so he wrote her a letter and he said hey Lois I'm going to be in Chicago And she wrote back and she said, I've got this student that I want you to hear. He's really something, or at least that's what she tells me, she said. And um, he said, I don't normally do that anymore, but for you, I will. And so she was very excited to tell me that she had set up this audition for me. And so I began to explore, well, what does this mean? That is... If he listens to me and he likes what he hears, what happens? And one of the first things I learned was, no matter how much he likes me, I'm not going straight to the Metropolitan Opera in New York. (laughs) There's no way to do that. And in the United States, there's theaters in almost every little town, professional theaters in every even small city. There's some kind of professional theater, but there are not operas. But in Europe, there are. Every little city has an opera house so you have to move to europe and live there for maybe 20 years or so living very humbly and learning the repertoire and gaining a reputation and if you get famous enough you can come back to the states and make a living as an opera singer wow well i had gotten married while i was in college and the idea of dragging my wife off to europe where neither of us spoke any of the dominant languages except in england of course because we speak english my wife spoke a little german i speak a little spanish but that was not going to get us too far in Italy and France, the two, and Germany, uh, the, the, the three places where there's mostly most of the opera houses are. So uh, I, the next time I saw her, I said, cancel the audition. I don't want yeah. to know. And so she asked me why, and I talked to her about all of this stuff, and she said, I understand. I think that's wise, and she agreed to do so. She canceled the audition. And, you know, that was one of those turning points where, and I'm sure you've got lots of them in your life too, John, where you can look back and see God moved you in a direction whether you intended to go that way or not. And that was one of those watershed moments for me where, now here's the interesting thing, because I had no idea I was going to use my voice every single day. Hmm. And all of the training that I had for breath control, for phrasing, for you know the whole process of interpreting and bringing a song to life or you know an opera mm-hmm. role, all of that is a is something that I draw on every single day when I'm performing as an audiobook narrator or doing any other kind of voiceover, because wow. the process of that line. You know, from the beginning of the song to the end of the song, you can't mm-hmm. just wander around aimlessly. You've got to um, you've got to know where you're going and you've got to shape the music so that it gets there appropriately. Mm-hmm. And um, all, and the same thing is true when you're narrating, whether it's a 15 second commercial or a 10 hour audiobook. There's an arc. There's a, a shape to the thing, and there's lots more ups and downs and so forth in an audiobook than there is in a 15-second commercial. But still, there's a shape to it, mm-hmm. and understanding how to do that, and and so forth, is so God didn't waste any of my experiences in in my training. But you know that's how He chose to use it in my life, and it has been incredibly valuable background. I only learned many years later when I was taking some coaching in voiceover that actually having a musical background can be extremely helpful for doing voiceovers of various kinds and especially audiobooks because again the you know an opera is several hours long or at least a few hours long so the idea of that sustaining that story across all of that time and the role that you're playing and all of that and then when you're doing an audiobook again you're stretching that out across however much time it takes to finish the story and uh,
1: so yeah it's, wow. a, it's a great perspective wow well when did you when did you decide that you could actually make a living doing this hmm. uh, did you well, do anything else for you? like did you do radio for a while or yeah what? i did
0: i did yeah. do some radio in fact that's of course that's, that's how you and i met was yeah. i interviewed you i i remember Having an immediate connection with you, by the way, I was just thinking about this as we were getting ready to to start talking here about how um, I felt an immediate friendship and kinship with you that has thankfully sustained across all these. years. We don't talk every day or anything, but, you know, I just love the fact that God, uh, you know, gave us a relationship that has continued now since I guess the mid 80s is when we first met. So that's a long time. And, um, yeah, I worked in radio. I also worked in a corporate job for a while. I worked for the Billy Graham ministry for a while. Hmm. And um, through all of that time, I was doing voiceovers professionally. And and some of the time, I actually made more money doing voiceovers than I did from my salary at my job. Hmm. But when I knew that it was time to make the move was at a point where, you know, I'd been praying about it. My wife and I had been talking about it. And um, we reached a point where we realized, you know what, we're making enough money now that we can we can make a go of it. If I hmm. can keep up at some even if it's a drop of some kind, we'll be OK. Hmm. And that seemed to be kind of like God giving us the thumbs up. The, OK, Bob, it's, it's time to step out in faith and go. And I told my wife at the time that I was getting ready to do this, I said, I think there's going to be economic activity that will surprise us. Because I won't have to concentrate in doing anything else. I can just concentrate on serving the people that are hiring me to tell their stories for them. And that is exactly what has happened. There's been years when it's been more up than down and so forth. But through all of it, God has provided for every bill that's come along and some despair. And um, so I'm... I'm incredibly grateful for that, and the audiobook thing just began. I responded to an online ad in two thousand and six. I was hired to narrate Thomas Nelson's new King James Version of the Bible, old and New testament wow. both, and that was that was the deep end of the pool that I plunged into. I had no idea what I was doing. well, I knew what the Bible was, of course, but I had never read it from beginning to end, all in one go or. Well, it wasn't I was multiple recording sessions, of course, but I mean, I had, you know, for the years I had thought about I need to read through the whole Bible. But my first time of actually doing it was when I was hired to narrate the Bible for Thomas Nelson. Wow. And. and then I was hired several years after that to to do that again for Zondervan in a multi-voice project where I was sort of the narrator that stitched things together, but other people played Jesus and Moses and so forth and so oh, yeah. on. So there was, uh, there was less of me in that one. And then just this year, I was hired by, or I guess technically the end of last year, I was hired by a gentleman who was working with the Bible Hub, and the Berean Study Bible to narrate that Bible, which is when it's finished, either later this year or the beginning of next year, when it's all buttoned up and ready to go, uh, it's going to be distributed. This is the vision of this gentleman who hired me to provide it 100% free with no internet connection needed except to download it to your phone or your audio player. But mm-hmm. once you have it, it's It's yours to have, and um, you can use it anywhere because he wow. wants to make sure the Bible is available in a contemporary translation for everybody everywhere um, wow. and uh, and I'm incredibly blessed that he you know he picked my actually my narration of the Thomas Nelson New King James Bible as sort of the this was what he decided. Uh, you know to contact me about recording this so I am in the process of recording the New Testament right now because they wanted to release the New Testament first and um, starting next month probably or sometime in the middle of uh, uh, May at the very latest I'll begin working my way through the Old Testament well wow. um, oh, no. uh, you know I'm loving it, John, just being, uh, you know, immersed back into God's word. And um, I mean, nobody has to pay me to read the Bible, <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh,
0: but it yeah. is kind of fun to be able to do that and to be freshly reminded, oh, here's, you know, that's I, uh, that's a phrase or a, a verse that I've heard many times and I've even memorized it, but I didn't memorize the reference um, or to see things juxtaposed together, this was one of the things when I was reading through the Gospels uh, several weeks ago, and seeing in uh, towards the end of Matthew, three parables in a row that um, that are right after Jesus has talked about what it's going to be like at the end times, and then he tells these three stories, ending, of course, with the famous one in in Matthew twenty five about the sheep and the goats, and You know, uh, you did it to the least of these, you did it to me, he says, to the sheep and to the goats, you didn't do this to the least of these, and therefore you didn't do it to me. And um, just seeing that all of that in context right there, just as he's, uh, you know, coming to the end of his earthly ministry, and he's just finished saying, but this isn't the end. I'm going to rise again, and then I'm going to come again. Oh John I mean you know that's incredibly encouraging to recognize that no matter how grim things seem I know yeah. you know there's lots and lots of people in the world today who are all shook up about what's going on in U- Ukraine and between mm-hmm. Ukraine and Russia right and, and it is it's shattering mm-hmm. to realize that people are doing this kind of thing one to another but at the same time God is still on his throne mm-hmm. and he's not surprised by what's going on and there Mm -hmm. is real ministry being you know people are being cared for people are uh, people are dying too i understand that i'm not minimizing that but i just mean it is beautiful how god's people have responded to the needs that are there yeah Uh, yeah it's amazing
1: wow wow it truly is just curious I, i mean do you have any idea how many hours Uh, It took
0: to read, well, since you've done it once, uh, you know. Yes, well, it took us uh, 11 months from beginning to end. Wow. About four, four and a half months to read the Old Testament. Then we had a break of several weeks and then two and a half weeks to do the New Testament. That, by the way, is a pretty powerful illustration of just what the difference in size is between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Yeah, um, and then we had a, several more weeks off, and then we did corrections for a few months until it was all finished. So, beginning from the first session until the last session, it was eleven months, but it wow. wasn't continuous recording. But we did that four hours a day, Monday through Friday, and then six hours on Saturday um, wow. every day. You know, I I had a week off here or there, but pretty much for the for the entire eleven months. I think mm-hmm. this time it's going to be more like six or seven months to get everything done. For part of the reason for that is because uh, Mr. Baird, the gentleman who's funding all of this, mm-hmm. wants me to work on it full time. So I've told other publishers that for a stretch of time this year, I'm not going to be available for them. And I'm just going to concentrate on doing the Bible. So we'll be able to finish it sooner because I won't have any other distractions uh, to uh, you know, keep yeah. me from being able to concentrate on working on the yeah. Word of God.
1: Uh, that new the new one you're reading um the Berean mm-hmm. Bible what translation is that in
0: The Berean Study Bible is the name of the translation Oh okay and it's from and it's from the Bible Hub which I think it's the Okay uh is the website where it is and it's not yet uh available because mm-hmm. we we haven't uh-huh. finished it but um uh, But it will be there eventually. And like I said, the the plan is, I think he's having an app developed specifically so that people can put the app on their phones and, um, you know, whichever operating system, iPhone or Android. And and then, you know, it will download the audio for the whole Bible onto your phone, and then you can play it wherever you are, whenever you want.
1: Wow, that's great. What a great ministry that is.
0: Wow. It is, um, and I, I'm incredibly blessed to be able yeah. to be a part of it. I mean,
1: truly, it's
0: uh, yeah. it's astonishing. And God is so good, and I just uh, I'm loving reading the Bible again. I mean, not that I don't read it all the time. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> I don't read it all through
1: you don't read every it time. All really Some through, of the, yeah. <laughs> well, I
0: just today I was just uh, narrating Philemon, and you know, Philemon is one of those. Little letters that's tucked away at the end of the Pauline epistles, and it's it's really easy to not pay attention to it. And the, the thing that struck me so powerfully as I was reading that was, it's essentially a letter saying, I'm sending your slave Onesimus back to you. Please welcome him as a believer, and don't treat him poorly because he ran away from you. I mean mm. that that's the reason, you know, that this that just comes mm. through so powerfully, a plea for mercy. Mm-hmm. And um and Paul even says, "I could command you, but I choose not to. I choose to ask you as a friend."
1: <laughs> oh. Wow. Isn't wow. that beautiful? That's great. And so, and so human. That's what uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um well, Bob, you're reading um also you've been reading so many books. You're not you're not just reading Christian books. You're reading no. you know, all kinds all kinds of things. And what's that like? Um, are you ever reading books that uh, you know you don't believe? And what is, what kind of experience is that? Uh, talk well, about that. A little bit.
0: Yeah, I first I only narrate nonfiction. I I okay. can do, I have an acting background, I can do characters and all of that sort of thing, but I don't get any real joy out of that, keeping track of them and all of that. So I just narrate nonfiction where I don't have to do that. And my job as a nonfiction audiobook narrator is to essentially play the author. Whether he's alive or he's already, mm. you know, passed on, my job is to be his voice. And oh. that's why I say his, because I only narrate. For all intents and purposes, I only narrate books written by men because huh. i I do a very poor job of of being a woman. Um, <laughs> in fact, it's that's well, anyway, the point is, I just do men's uh, you know, books written by men. And uh, so yes, I have read all kinds of books from all kinds of perspectives, from you know evolution, from um, uh, things that I would consider to be wildly heretical. Um, and, uh, or, you know, very brutal stories of people being, there was a, I did a, a history of the, the area around the black sea, uh, during the years, uh, the early Roman, uh, Roman conquests and, um, Oh my goodness, there was so much death and destruction. And it's, it's, hmm. but you know what, it's at the same time, um, uh, for those books that I do where I don't agree where I strongly disagree I still have if I've accepted the job I have to play the part of the author regardless I have to do a good job of of being the voice of the author and and being on you know honoring his perspective whatever it is no matter how much I might personally disagree with it mm-hmm. um but the thing that I love about it is I love getting insights into the way people think who are different than me. I want to understand why somebody has, a, you know, is completely convinced that evolution was the way that things happened and it was blind chance all the way from beginning to end. Um, if I had a chance to sit down with the author and we had an, uh, an open-ended conversation, I might tell him, which I have to some of my atheist friends, I don't have enough faith to believe like you do. They all get (laughs) mad at me when I say that. But I think it takes more faith to believe blind chance. Mm. sheer circumstance resulted in this incredibly organized universe (laughs) than to believe that a creator God created it and set it in motion and continues to keep it in motion and cares for it and us Mm -hmm. uh, intimately and personally to me that's the that's the lesser amount of faith to believe that yeah um but the, you know I mean that's my perspective on it, but anyway, I love seeing how you know people who differ from me politically, mm-hmm. people who differ from me from a point of view, like I said I've read some books that were blatantly from my point of view as a bible believing christian blatantly heretical, mm-hmm. but I still benefited from understanding and frankly i remember one of the things that i drew from that is this particular author was very passionate about caring for and being compassionate to people who are different than us hmm. and john you know you understand this because of the way you present the gospel and the mm-hmm. and and the uh, the grace that is continually being extended to people it's what god does for us grace and mercy right. Right. Um, That, you know, the we all desperately need that. And that was something that I saw coming through from this gentleman, even though he and I disagreed on almost every possible point about who Jesus was and what the scriptures mean and all the rest of that. Nonetheless, he had a deep passion for being compassionate to people who are different than us. Wow. And um, so, you know, there was God kindly providing me with a spiritual lesson in the middle of, you know, what was essentially a cesspool yeah. of theological mess. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I love being able to okay. to uh, gain an appreciation for those
1: kinds of things. So Bob would, I can't believe that our, our time is, is, is already up, but um, would, would you encourage then people to read uh things at least some things that that are from people that they know they might disagree with but uh that they yes. would they would uh, that would be a good experience for them to go through
0: you know paul talks about he's usually talking about uh me- eating meat offered to idols right mm-hmm. and he makes yeah. a distinction between those who are stronger in faith and those who are not and mm-hmm. i think this is where the discernment has to come in if your hmm. faith is not necessarily all that strong i do not encourage you to go wading out into those waters because it could be destructive to you and to your faith i don't mean that you're going to necessarily lose your salvation but it could really leave you wandering in the wilderness for a while but if you've got a strong grasp and a strong faith that christ has saved you and that you are his then by all means explore what other people think and mean and understand Because Hmm. how are you going to present the gospel to somebody that is opaque to you, that is from a completely Hmm. different point of view? How can you express the meaning of the gospel to somebody that you don't understand? I mean, it would be like, you know, going to somewhere where there's a language spoken you don't comprehend and not having a translator. How can you share the gospel in that context? Um, Yeah. You need to be able to appreciate the perspective of other people. I intentionally, for example, John, and I know we're out of time here, but just quickly, on on Facebook, I go out of my way to have friends who are from wildly different perspectives. I want to see what they post about. I want to see what they're passionate about. I want to see the things that they get excited about. Because, again, I don't want to live in a little silo where everybody thinks the same way I do um i think that's corrosive too
1: yeah yeah gee that's great that's great oh that's something i think we can all grab on to um we're going to stretch this out for one more quick question um Mm -hmm. what would you say uh, uh on and this is a really broad question but on any level what was the most maybe challenging thing you've done um in, in your career? And I'm probably well, there's a number of things, but yeah. what, what comes to mind? There,
0: there have been several books I've done that involved uh, very obscure languages and um, in some cases I've paid people to yeah. do the research for me so I know how to pronounce the words properly. Yeah. But I would say the single most challenging thing was um, a few years ago, I narrated what's called the Treasury of David, which is a commentary on the Psalms, the 150 Psalms by Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the British Baptist preacher from the 19th century. So part of it was it was, of course, written in the 19th century. So the the language doesn't flow trippingly from the tongue the way a contemporary <laughs> author does who speaks the way we do. Mm-hmm. The other was when I finished. Now, the Bible is about 72 finished hours, and that's a big book, of course. The Treasury of David took 234 and a half hours finished. Oh, right. That it obviously took way more than that to do it. But yeah, it took me 14 months of working almost entirely on that. Oh. Um, so that was quite a challenge, and of course there was lots and lots of biblical quotes and spurgeon this is part of where i you know it wasn't a, it wasn't the first time i encountered it but i love that spurgeon brought in commentaries from other people even people he disagreed with
1: uh hmm. to
0: talk okay. about the you know each of the individual because he went through every verse of the psalms from psalm 1 1 to psalm 150 i forget how many i think there's five verses so 155 um and um There's multiple comments on each of those verses, including lots that he brings in from other authors. And, you know, to Spurgeon's credit, he didn't only include his own ideas. He brought in lots and lots of other people. That was without a doubt the most challenging thing I did just simply because it took such a long time and because it was, you know, written in in a way that is more challenging to read just because it's not the way we speak anymore. Right.
1: Right. Well, uh, don't you? Does that make you wonder who is going to listen to this thing? Well, it's yeah, it's
0: five volumes total. So, I okay. agree. I have no idea why they wanted to make it into an audiobook, but I'm grateful they did because <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got God. to read it. And I'll tell you what, it it's a spectacularly wonderful exploration of every possible wrinkle in uh in how to understand
1: uh
0: the the, uh, the
1: the psalms Well, that's great. Well, Bob, this has been wonderful. Um uh I appreciate the work you did on Dark Horse and I also remember mm. your offer to read my all my books and we will take you up on that, believe me. Well, um I'm glad you forward, forward here. Yeah, that would be so much fun. So, Although uh, I think we'll, you
0: should narrate at least a few of them because it would be good to have your voice hmm. on them. But I mean, <laughs> any that you think it would make sense for me to do, I I,
1: I okay. look forward to it. That's interesting. I'll think about that. Hmm. Well, Bob, this has been rich. Thank you so much. And uh, you're welcome. My pleasure. Keep on speaking on. We will. Uh, Amen. We'll 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 talk to you soon again. I'm sure.
0: I look forward to it.
1: Okay, Bob. Thank you. Good night. And also with you. Yeah. Wow. Well, there you have it, folks. You're That was a half hour with the uh, second nicest person in voiceover. How about that? <laughs> that was wonderful. Thank you so much. Keep in mind, expose yourself to things that are different, people that are different. That's the way we're going to spread the gospel. There's no other way to talk to people than to understand them. So uh, good lesson tonight. Thank you so much. God bless you, and we'll see you next time.